You know, if I had a quarter for every time someone in this industry mentioned the word leads, I'd probably never have to work again. And that's why we're going to talk about them today. So let's get started. Welcome to the Ultimate Insurance Agency Podcast. Planet of the Agents. Planet of the Agents. Where we give you the real scoop on being an insurance agent and running an agency. This show is all about helping you focus on earning more money as an agent and building your own insurance empire. Empire. Here's your industry-leading host who has generated tens of thousands of insurance leads. This is Dave Baker. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the show. I am, as always, incredibly excited to have you here with me. For those of you who are frequent listeners, you did notice that I had to take a brief hiatus as I made some technology upgrades and got a little bit of new equipment to make it easier to record the show. But I'm back, and we are going to continue the discussion on the exhilarating world of property and casualty insurance And in the future, for those of you other people out there who work in a different side of the business, we are going to dabble a little bit in the health and life business, more so on the life side. But today, we're going to talk about something that I'm sure all of you think about and hear about and receive advertisements about constantly, and that topic is leads. Leads, leads, leads. If you don't know the word leads and you work in the insurance business, I would be shocked. So for those of you who might not know what they are, let's talk about that. What are leads? Essentially, a lead is like a potential customer. You could receive a lead the old-fashioned way, such as a referral from a friend. You might receive a lead by going to a networking event. Or more commonly today, you probably buy leads. And that is the absolute most common way I hear that people get their new leads. Today, in what I like to call the modern world, leads come in all shapes and sizes. Now I remember back, gosh, 10, maybe 14 years ago, when I would go to networking events and we would pass around these little pieces of paper with potential leads on them thinking that that was going to help build an empire of a business. And I'll admit, at the time, it was helpful. And you know what? I got some great clients back then when I was working on that type of business. So it's still out there today, and that's an option for a lot of people. But what I hear most of is that people purchase their leads. Now, the first question we should always ask ourselves is, do you need leads? My answer is actually maybe. Whenever I say that to people, they're kind of shocked, but there are quite a few of you out there who are probably sitting on a book of business and you get a stream of renewal revenue and you're also not really looking to add new customers other than a few that might be referred to you. I understand this. This can happen after you've been in business for a long time and really it's what you've worked for. Of course, with the way the world is changing, sitting on a book of renewals might not last as long as you were banking on. Let's just be realistic here. The attrition rate of customers in certain lines of business is significant. Attrition, uh, for those of you who are not familiar with this term, 
we'll call that uh, customers that just drop off. People who just don't renew, they might just leave the state that you work in, they might leave the country, they might pass away. There are a lot of things that could happen. So some people are always looking to get new business to replace them. For the majority of agents that I talk to, I feel like they're always looking for new business and they're generally looking for new lead sources. What I always find interesting is that I would say a majority, if not almost all the agents that I speak to are constantly looking for new businesses to quote and new lines of coverage to quote and basically just looking for new customers all the time. There are a mix of agencies out there, obviously, but as always, we're focusing on the smaller agency, the local agent, the rural agent, the mom and pop agent, the family agency, whatever you want to call it. And because most of the agents that I talk to don't have a focus on a specific niche or a specific industry or even really a specific line of coverage, they're always looking for something new. And for me, I don't love that way of living or even that way of doing business. So let's talk about that. A lot of people used to ask me how I got my leads. And I did it two ways. One was what I mentioned originally, that I used to attend events. I went to a networking group, but I also attended a lot of events. But what I found was that was really small potatoes, so to speak. By that, I mean that you're not really creating a pipeline of business unless you're connecting with someone or another business that can send you a significant volume of, of leads. So what I did after that was I spent a lot of time learning how to develop web pages, and that helped me get a lot of leads for what I'll call niches. I mean, you can have niches inside of auto insurance. It doesn't just have to be business related. You can have niches inside of home insurance. Perhaps you only work with new home buyers or you only target young couples or you do things like that where you feel you're going to have a higher success ratio. Overall though, the most common thing that I see and that I hear from people is that they're buying leads. And that's really gonna be the focus of this conversation. I searched my email, for which I've probably got years of email, just for the word leads, and I found countless advertisements that were sent to me from so many different companies, and that just reminds me there are so many lead vendors out there. Now, things continue to evolve because not only are you competing with other agents who might literally buy the exact same lead, unless, of course, you're purchasing exclusive leads, which will cost more money but you're also competing with carriers who have real-time APIs that are taking that lead data and then connecting it to their system and sending out a notification to a potential customer. So theoretically, by the time you actually get the lead, they may have already received a few quotes and that makes it different. I'm sorry, that makes it difficult. So with that in mind, the first thing I wanna talk about in the lead business here is should you buy just any lead? I, I remember a long time ago when I did buy a few leads just to see how it worked, I noticed that they wanted to just send me every single lead in a zip code. And I thought to myself, well, 
what if I can't get a quote for the person they're sending the, the lead with? I didn't understand that concept. Now, t- today, um, the companies are able to filter the leads probably by many, many factors, not just zip code, but you could request something very specific from age ranges to homeownership to classes of business. So if you've been listening to the show, you know that I believe in niches and that niches make riches. I wish I invented that statement, but I can't take credit for it. So with that in mind, I think that if you're going to buy leads, it would be most logical to purchase those that meet a few specific criteria. As I mentioned in some previous episodes, I had sold insurance to some specific uh, classes of business like, uh, I'm sorry, not classes of business, let's rephrase that, Uh, personal lines at the time that were focused on things like off-road vehicles. And while I sold a lot of policies, looking back, I really didn't make very much money. So the amount of time as compared to the return for the transaction was not really a good investment. So let's look at a few different factors to think about when you're talking about buying leads. Number one to me is going to be focusing on things that you know convert. And by convert, we mean convert them from a lead to a client. So for example, There are some industries that are easy to quote. There are some that are hard to quote. There are some that are extremely competitive. And there are some where you might just not have that many opportunities. Let's think of something really obscure. Perhaps you have a market that likes to quote uh, salmon canning businesses. I'm sure there are businesses out there that can salmon. We see them in the supermarket. But how much opportunity do you really have there? Is that something you should focus on? Are you even going to get enough leads for something like that? That's too focused for me. So I would like to build my lead uh, purchasing with filters that are really going to cater to things that I can write. The first thing I would do if I was buying business leads is I would take out my carrier's appetite guide. I feel that people are not spending time looking at the appetite of their carriers or their wholesalers and MGAs they work with and other groups. Why do I feel this way? Because I send marketing emails to agents that uh, go through our wholesaler for business and I notice they respond by sending completely different things. For example, we don't write truckers commercial auto. Could I tell you how many times I get an email or phone call asking about a trucking account? It's almost like they're not paying attention to the appetite. In fact, I believe as of right now on our webpage, if you type in the word trucker, it literally says, we do not quote this. And would you believe that I can see that people have viewed the webpage and then they will make a submission and they'll ask for the same product. That's something you want to avoid. Why would you want to force something into a carrier or an MGA or we'll call it forcing something into a box that there's no room for? So... After you when, you, when you go through your carrier's list, you're going to see that a lot of carriers have appetite guides and wholesalers often have things like brochures where they'll list a series of businesses. Let's pick a random business. A lot of admitted carriers, for example, are going to quote accountants general liability. 
seems pretty straightforward. It's an easy thing to quote. It's not like professional liability, which requires a lot of data. It gives you an opportunity to cross-sell a business owner's policy where you could sell property and liability together. Maybe you could add some cyber, depending on the package that's available. So in this example, if you have access directly to a few admitted carriers, it's likely that they're going to all quote this main street, simple type of business for general liability. So you know that if you buy a lead for accountants, general liability, or what you might call an office policy, it will be easy for you to get a quote, number one. Number two, you will have multiple carriers from which to choose from. And number three, the time it will take you to get the quote is probably fairly brief. So that means that you can get back to the lead very quickly with a quote and possibly close the sale within a few minutes of calling. Now, we have to look at another factor though. As I mentioned, that's an easy quote to get. If you have just a few BOP carriers or general liability carriers, you'll notice that a lot of people write that. And you'll also notice that the premium is quite low. In fact, I think I've seen accountants office premiums under $400. So once again, let's, uh, let's do a valuation. How much is this worth? If you make 15% on $400, you're going to make about $60. There are many people who are in the 10% commission bracket, in which case you're going to make $40. So you have to weigh that against how much does the lead cost? I've been noticing that small business leads, they could be anywhere from $5 to maybe a hundred or more dollars. I think that it's on the lower price side. So I would say that and this is, again, a somewhat arbitrary number. It's just from a little bit of searching that I've done. Um, but you can get a small business leads for $10 or less. Now, let's do some math here. Everybody loves to do that. Let's pretend you are at a 12.5% commission on a $500 policy. No, you know what? Let's go bigger. Let's say you, have a, you receive a 15% commission on $500 premiums that you write with a certain carrier, whatever it may be. If you sell this accountant's office general liability or a BOP policy, oh, for those of you who don't work in commercial, remember that BOP means business owner's policy, you would make $75. That's, uh, again, a 15% commission on a $500 policy. So you might think, great, I spent 10 bucks on a lead and I make 75 bucks. So I netted $65 and it took me an hour. Well, while that sounds great on paper, you might have had to purchase 10 leads to even close the first one. So you'll need to do a little bit of analysis of your closing ratio, meaning how many leads do you convert into customers? In this example, if you had to purchase 10 leads to sell one, that would be a 10% conversion ratio because you're selling one out of 10 and each lead costs you $10. That would be $100 in total that you spent, but you only made $75. You've actually lost $25 because you spent $100 worth of leads and you only netted, I'm sorry, you, you made $75. So your net is a $25 loss. But hold on, whenever I say that to people, they'll immediately bring up renewals. Okay, sure. I would like to think that many small business clients will 
they will renew for a period, let's say, of three years. Now, you might also see a commission reduction, but in our example, let's not do that. Let's pretend they renew for three years at the exact same premium and the exact same commission. Well, great, then you'd make $225. If they stayed with you for three years and that was your average, you might think, well, that's the lifetime value of my customer and I might be able to sell them additional policies. Personally, I spent a lot of time trying to build a business by selling small accounts and what I was noticing is that they are more likely to leave and I noticed that they don't renew as much. And for some reason, they even sometimes need extra service, which is probably why today you see more service centers available than ever for these small accounts. Uh, we're going to actually have a whole discussion about small accounts and where I see that going in the future. And just a little hint, I see a lot of small micro general liability going the way of auto insurance with a lot of online options, which doesn't really make it great for the agent force out there. So to recap, what we just discussed was you have to look at the cost of your leads and how much you make per lead and then your conversion ratio, meaning how many leads do you have to purchase to make a sale. So continuing, when I look at leads and the leads that people buy and the submissions that people send me, I can see some of them are literally um, in a lead format that was sent to them by a, a company that generates these leads. What I notice is they're not sending the same thing over and over again. They're just sending a variety of random accounts that happen to be in similar zip codes or similar areas. And this is something personally I wouldn't do because I find it difficult to have to write and quote every possible business. It, it's very difficult to have an understanding of the different businesses as well as to make sure that you have markets that write them. But there's a different way you can break this down when doing your targeting. Let's go back to this appetite guide I mentioned. Let's say your carrier says something like, we have an appetite for miscellaneous professional liability. That's very generic. So you want to talk to them and say, well, what falls in that category? And they might tell you something like, well, under miscellaneous professional liability, you have a lot of options. You have management consultants, human resource consultants, certain kinds of small computer consultants. Uh, you have tax preparers and bookkeepers. There are a lot of categories in miscellaneous professional liability. And what's great about that is that they might use a common policy form, which gives you an opportunity to read and understand the policy, and you can apply it to multiple businesses. Of course, here's a little caveat. Always make sure to confirm that if they use a common policy form for a certain group of businesses, like miscellaneous professionals, make sure to see if there are specific endorsements for the ones that you might be quoting. But what I like about this is that you can you can market or in this case, I'm sorry, purchase leads for a variety of businesses that fall in the same category of insurance. Now, while they're not exactly the same business, they still might use the same policy forms, similar pricing structures, and it makes it easy for you to get the quotes faster and have a better understanding of what you're selling. Obviously, it's important to read the policy, to understand the exclusions, to understand all the forms so that you can explain them and review them. But wouldn't it be great if you could concentrate on 
a few documents that you want to understand and a few pricing structures and then use that information to go after a lot of different types of accounts. Why do I like this? Here's what I like to do when I get a quote. First of all, I do outbound marketing uh, often, meaning I reach out to agents to have them send us business. So the first thing I do is I say, well, do I have good markets that can quote a certain thing that I want to market? <laughs> Not to use the word market too many times, but uh, remember markets also means carriers. So do we have carriers that can quote the type of business that we want to advertise? I only want to work with the products and the classes of business that I can sell and I can quote quickly. Now, this isn't always possible. Obviously, sometimes we have to make submissions and there's just a lot of waiting. And if you think you're frustrated waiting for quotes from carriers and wholesalers and other people in the business, imagine how the customers feel in a world where you can order food and have it appear at your house in 20 minutes. So, Here's the thing, there are gonna be specialty business and surplus lines business. And even if you go after specific niches that you can regularly quote in the office, you might still receive a curveball where you have to submit it to underwriting and you have to wait. But hopefully that's not the norm and that's the outlier. My goal is to market to, uh, let me rephrase that. My goal is to market um, products that I know we can quote quickly, ideally in the office, and that we can quote with a small amount of information, and that do not often have manuscript forms, or that do not often have a lot of different variations for similar quotes. Let's say, for example, that you want to quote a specific business. Let's choose another example this time. Let's choose tax preparers. So you could focus on buying tax preparer leads. You could learn about the different coverages available to them, which would probably start with miscellaneous professional liability, also known as errors and omissions insurance, business owners policies, and cyber liability, and even workers comp. This class of business, tax preparers, it doesn't require a lot of information to get a quote. And I find that so much easier. I see that Smaller customers get really frustrated when they have to provide a lot of information for different types of quotes. I can tell that from the emails that I see and the things people tell me about how frustrated the customers are. So for, in our example here in the tax preparer business, that's rated or priced on uh, generally the gross receipts. So if you know the gross receipts for the business, you would be able to potentially get a professional liability quote and even a general liability quote. You might have to throw in the square footage of the office for the general liability, but that's a small amount of information to need. You're essentially just getting their name, their address, gross receipts, square footage, and you might want to confirm their claims history and make sure they don't have any claims just to get the process started. Think about how much easier that is. You could potentially, with just that information, get three lines of coverage, the general liability, professional liability, and maybe even cyber liability based just on those factors. You might want to also throw payroll in there so that you can get them a workers' comp quote. So imagine this. Here's a scenario that I would love. You're buying leads and you're buying them for this specific business we just mentioned, this tax repair example we're using. From one lead, you could potentially write three or four policies 
maybe even five. You might even be able to write them a commercial auto if they use vehicles for their business to go visit customers. So for that $10 you might spend, you could potentially write five policies that might even have a multi-policy discount. You might be able to package them with the same carrier. And generally, if you have access to these markets, you would be able to get the quotes quickly. In fact, you might be able to get the quotes right while they're on the phone with you. Or you might have to gather some information by email because people don't seem to like to answer the phone anymore. But look at the potential there. Rather than just taking any lead in your zip code or in your county or wherever you're quoting or just buying any old business lead, you're focused, laser focused. You're going after a specific business. You know you can write multiple policies. And if you don't write them right away, you might start with one, but that could open the door to many more. And in this example, let's say you wrote all the different policies and they cost $500 in premium each. Well, let's say you wrote four policies. Okay, we're gonna leave out the commercial auto. Say you write four policies at $500 a piece and you spent $10 on one lead. Well, that's a $2,000 premium. And if you're getting 15%, you're making, you know, much better money. You're making $300. So, and that's just a small example based on a lot of minimum premiums. So with that in mind, let's use our other example again. Say you had to buy 10 leads just to sell one. Well, if you spent $100 by buying 10 leads but made 300 off of one customer, that would be a net of $200. Now, these numbers are going to vary based on your business, obviously. There are people who I hear tell me that they, I hear this indirectly, they don't directly tell me this, maybe a marketing rep or someone else mentions, we have this one agency that spends $100,000 a month on Google ads, or XYZ other agency has a cap of $500 a day. If you're not familiar with the term cap, that would mean that you might tell a lead company, we're not spending more than $500 a day on leads. For most of you out there, if you're spending $500 a day on leads at 20 days a month, that's uh, well, that's $10,000. If you have that kind of business and you're making money, you're probably doing quite well if you're closing a good amount. So, since I said that, what is a good amount? Well, if you would have asked me years ago when I had exclusive leads just coming to us and the internet wasn't so riddled with companies advertising so aggressively, I would tell you we probably used to close an estimated 25% or more, maybe 30% of the leads that came in. And those were exclusive leads, meaning they just came to a website and we were the only ones who got the quotes back then. Today, I think the numbers are not so good. I hear people say they close one out of 12 or 8.25%. Sometimes I hear people say they'll get 30 leads and maybe they'll close one or two. Now, that's not necessarily just their sales skills. It's that there are a lot of new factors. For example, maybe a tax preparer can go online and purchase one of the policies we discussed. So by the time they fill out a lead form and then it gets sent to you a minute later, they're already on another website filling out something else. They won't answer the phone. They don't respond to the emails you send. You might text them and they still don't get back to you and you don't even know what happened. And unfortunately, that's kind of the way things are today. So you just have to deal with it. But as we talk about this online thing, I do want to mention that you might want to consider that in your lead shopping. You might want to ask yourself, can this type of lead buy a policy online? Maybe not. 
and that might be better for you because it won't be so competitive. Now, depending on your business model, your personality, your infrastructure, how you like to do things, you might actually not want the leads you can quote quickly. You might want the hairy stuff, the difficult stuff people talk about. And if you're out there and you're young and you're getting started or you're old and you're energetic and or whatever age you are or wherever you are in your career, you might just love this stuff. And you might say, I want to fill out 10 pages of applications. Nothing fulfills me more than filling out uh, cord forms, 15 different supplementals riddled with questions that don't make sense to you. Hey, maybe you like that. You love looking at applications that ask customers questions that they don't understand at all. That might be your thing. And you know what? That probably actually has a better return on a sale. Just, uh, I think it was today, I had opened an application that I saw because I was wanted to see what the key questions were, trying to guess what the rating factors were, or the, the way they price it, if you will. And I looked at the application on my screen and it said, you're on page one of 12. And I just started laughing, thinking how time-consuming it is for someone to fill out that application. But you know what? If you want to write some of the bigger policies, there's going to be paperwork. And there's probably going to be a lot of it. It's not just underwriting. There's paperwork. There's time for waiting for a response. There's underwriting. There's follow-up questions. It's a long process. But there are a lot of businesses out there that have huge minimum premiums, maybe 10000 maybe 25000 So guess what? If you buy a $10 lead and you sell a $25,000 policy, that's a pretty good return for your investment. You really have to think about what's good for you and what you're looking to do. I know some agents who tell me they love this stuff. They want to have a meeting with the customer. They want to have a sit down. They want to review things. They like to fill out the paperwork together with the customers and go over the different options. And then they understand that there's a 30-day turnaround on some of the quotes. In fact, there are some businesses that require pre-inspections before they'll even offer a quote. So if that works for you, that's great. On the other hand, if you're like a lot of people and want to get an instant quote and want something that can be handled quickly, then you're going to need to focus on different niches, obviously. But remember, the easier it is for you to do, the easier it is for someone else to do as well, which means that you're probably going to have more competition. So let's go back and organize all this. Let's talk about the takeaways. The focus of this episode is buying leads, not generating your own leads. Let's go over the takeaways. Number one, focusing on things that you know convert. I think that's key because why would you want to buy leads that you know barely convert? And there are a lot of industries when you look at your book of business and the effort you've put in where you might notice that you have quoted many of the same type of account but never really seem to bind them. And that happens. I've been there. I think a lot of us have been there. Number two, the value of your leads. How much is it costing you per lead and how many leads do you have to buy before you can turn one into a client? That leads us to number three. What percentage of your leads convert? Let's say you've been buying leads for a long time. Why don't you look at the ones that you've converted to clients and see what they have in common? 
while it's possible that you may just generically be buying a lot of personal lines leads or various businesses and you're converting a variety of different ones into clients, that isn't always the case. And I generally speaking don't hear people tell me that how that's how it's working for them. So what I see more often is people when I ask them about this, they'll say, well, I looked at the last 10 that we sold and yeah, they all seem to be office-based businesses or they seem to be retail stores. And then from there, you can niche down even more and say, well, which the retail stores, but what kind of retail stores? Is it ice cream shops? Is it sporting goods stores? What is it? That's a very basic way to do data analytics. And if you are a massive company, like an insurtech company, they do a lot of analytics with software and artificial intelligence, but you can do some analytics too, and this is a great start. Number four on the takeaway list. Do you have good markets, meaning carriers that can get quotes quickly for you or underwriters and wholesalers that you work with that can quote that specific item at a reasonable speed? Not everything is going to be instant. We understand that. And I think I think some customers understand that too. You just have to explain to them how it works and then give them a reasonable expectation of when you will respond so they don't think you left them hanging. So you want to make sure that you have carriers or wholesalers who can help you with the type of quotes that you're pursuing. If you have a lot of commercial direct appointments, you should go through the appetite list from your carriers. I think you'll be shocked when you see how many different things they can write, and you'll be able to see how many fit into a certain category, which is uh, going back to the earlier part where we were discussing, say, retail stores, for example. Lastly, I want to look at item number five, which is your return on your leads. You have to do a few different calculations. Now, you don't have to literally calculate all of these things, but perform at least a high-level analysis. Along with looking at how much you spend on the leads and how many leads you have to purchase to convert one into a customer, remember that's your conversion ratio, you also need to analyze the amount of time it takes you to get a quote and what I like to call the number of customer interactions. So in some cases, thanks to the software I use, I can see, for example, that I might have had to exchange 65 emails to sell something where I might make $150. Oh, oof, just saying that uh, took my breath away. Okay, here's the thing. If you make $500, but you have to exchange 300 emails, in the end, how much time did you have to spend and how well were you compensated for your time? And more importantly, how much time was taken away from the other things that you could have been working on? That's a different type of analysis. And at some point, I'd be happy to go over how I do that. But I definitely look not only at the cost of things, but the time cost and how long it takes and how many interactions. And by interactions, that could be emails, it could be phone numbers, it could be an email you have to write and then you have to receive and read. Remember, reading an email takes time and responding to it requires time as well. In addition to that, when you're reading and responding to a new email that just popped in while you're working on something else, there will be a lag time before your brain can go back to working on what you were doing before.
So that's why I like to perform this high-level analysis where I analyze how many interactions were required to close the transaction. So in another episode, I want to talk about getting your own leads. And I think that's really the dream. You know, I often say referrals are like gold, but I'll say that if you have a pipeline of leads that you know convert in a specific business or or even if it's a specific person line, it doesn't even have to be just a commercial niche. Um, It's amazing. I can think of a few situations where we might have, uh, we get a lot of submissions for the same type of business. And I just love getting the quotes because I'm familiar with the type of quote. I'm familiar with the forms. I know the questions that need to be asked. And it's a very easy, fluid process. And I really enjoy that. But uh, if you, like I said, enjoy the hairy stuff and the tough stuff, that's another way to look at it. Um, But do what's right for you. So... Anyway, thank you once again for listening to the show. We are going to be discussing some exciting new topics. As I mentioned, in a future episode, we will be discussing generating your own leads. That's what some people call the lead pipeline. There are a lot of different terms for it. I think that's just the holy grail when you have that flow of business. I'm also going to be discussing a few other items that uh, people have mentioned that they'd like to hear about some of which are how to develop some scripts or how to semi-automate things in a world where we lack very much automation. It's uh, definitely an old-fashioned business, as you all know, but there are opportunities where you can make things easier for yourself and your staff and all the people you interact with. I think that the more you can create something with a repetitive form or a repetitive process or just a simpler standard operating procedure, the easier it will be for you to do business. Now, as always, if you have any questions, if you have suggestions, if you just want to say hello, send me an email. You can email me at dave at planetoftheagents.com. Once again, that's dave at planetoftheagents.com. I welcome you to join the website, planetoftheagents.com. There is a membership portal, and you will get access to uh, various things, such as some scripts I enjoy using, uh, templates, basic quoting questionnaires. It's not insurance information on there. What it is is information to make it easier to do business as an agent. Think of them as practical tools for the business, uh, that you run, and uh, some, some marketing ideas and things of that nature. Ultimately, here's the, here's the thing. You could be the best insurance agent in the world. You could know every policy, every endorsement. You could know every question that needs to be answered. But if you don't have decent marketing, unfortunately, you just won't get people coming in the door. And that's why it's really important to have a balance of marketing, standard operating procedures, and things of that nature. You know what? Put that on the list. We're going to talk about that in a future episode, too. All right, everybody. Have a great day. Keep selling. Keep quoting. Keep growing your business. And I'll talk to you next time. As a quick reminder, we have a disclaimer. Any views or opinions here are provided for purely informational purposes. Nothing is to be construed as advice of any kind. Any mention of insurance in no way implies that there is any form of coverage. 
Thanks for listening to Planet of the Agents. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode. And head over to our website at planetoftheagents.com to sign up for our newsletter and get even more information on how to grow your insurance agency.